babes. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you too. Good. Well, I would hope that you love me. Yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. It's been a good morning, babes. It has. <laughs> we hung out in bed for a while, then we had some cinnamon rolls. You recorded me when I didn't want you to. Oh, wait, as I told you. Yeah, after the fact. No, I didn't tell you after the fact. Well, I mean, not after the fact, but right as we started. I'm like, why are you recording this? For my personal archives. Ugh. Really? <laughs> Me and Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong is dead. No, but he had his own archives of like 800 hours of tapes, I think it was. That's, Maybe even more than that. That's uh, insane. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That yes. is ridiculously insane. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but you... Got us some mini cinnamon rolls. Yes, they're very good. And I said we should make one for Christmas. And, that, and then we got in a, a talk about the holidays ahead yeah. of time. And I don't want to, you know, give anything out of context. But it <laughs> looks like there's a reasonable chance we'll be spending my birthday together, which is good. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. But that's months away, babe. And we talked, and I talked about filling suggestions. I said maybe we can fill it up with um, pumpkin and or apple mm-hmm. or something delicious. And then you, th- and then I came up with the idea, if we didn't want to deal with the ham, we could do, um, some pork chops or pork steaks and, or, or prime rib. Yes. And I, I love that. I love those two ideas. I do two babes. Prime rib. So my uncle, I, like I told you before, and I, I'm telling it to anyone who's listening, my uncle has this recipe for, a tender prime rib uh, with gravy, and it oh, so good. It's that so does good. sound delicious. It is. It is. It just like melts in your mouth. It mm. literally does. Yeah. Yes, yes. So good. Yes, yes. It tastes yes. like butter. Well, not quite like butter, but it's. It is good. It's some good. Eat, it's some good eating. We might have to do that, babes. Oh yes. For the holidays, so Merry Christmas. Not quite Christmas. Would yet. you like to wish the birthday boy Merry Christmas? No, because... Or happy not, birthday. No, no, because it's not your birthday. Okay, it's only five and a half months away, babes. <sighs> I know, but it's <laughs> not December. Okay, fair enough. It's just, like miss, uh, it's just like wishing me a happy birthday, and it's only I'm only two months out of my birthday. I would like to wish you a happy 42nd Almost birthday. Almost three months, yeah. I know it's coming up. I, I, I'll be honest with you, babes. I don't, I didn't buy you a birthday present yet. You're going to have to wait a little while. Um, <laughs> just so you, I'm not trying to put it off till the last minute. I just haven't gotten it yet. I still have to think about our anniversary present, your right. anniversary present, rather. I actually know what I'm going to get you. I haven't bought it yet, but I do. I have a good idea of what I'm getting you. Mm. Mm. I can only guess. It's something that you would use, I think. Well, I hope so. Yes, and that would make your life a little bit easier. Oh, I hope so. Yes, yes, yes. I still have to think of what I'm going to get you, though. Nice, nice, nice. Nice, nice, nice. We took showers. Separately. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, you were fine. I know I'm fine, but I sort of like to take in a shower with you. Oh, my goodness. While you were doing yours, I listened to more of the... I guess I can say I listen to audiobooks. That's a known Of thing. course. Yes. Of course. The book on the Beatles, You Never Give Me Your Money, The Beatles Break Up. Well, you talked about called. a lot of books on your books. That's true, babes. <laughs> I don't always listen to audiobooks, but this time I am. Okay. It's really good. I'm almost done with mine. Well, good. Yeah. yeah. So there's some interesting stuff in this book that I didn't know. So obviously I know a lot about the Beatles. Yes, you do. You know more than, you definitely know more than I do. 
You think so? Yes, I absolutely think so. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of theirs. Yeah. They're my favorite band of all time, which yeah. I know is a cliche thing to say, but yeah, a lot of people say that. Yes. A lot of people say that. I, I do think they are the best band of all time mm-hmm. for many different reasons, right? Yeah. We could go through just their music. music we could go through yeah. their cultural uh, influence. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, that's an opinion held by a lot of people. Yes. Having said that, I'm learning stuff about them. So, in the 1970s, we're talking about 72, mm-hmm. Geraldo Rivera had done his story on Willowbrook. Oh, yes. Which was the... Was that in the 80s? No, that was in the early 70s. Oh, yeah. I, I saw clips of it. Um, I didn't see I didn't see it, obviously, but I saw uh, a few clips of it, and it was really disturbing. For some reason, I thought the story came out later, but according to this book, it was earlier than that. I thought it was like 74 or oh, 75. okay. Yeah, I heard that was a really, really um, breaking... Uh, a big breaking story. Yeah. But so for people who don't know the story, it's basically Willowbrook was this institution where they kept slow adults uh-huh. and uh, Gerardo Rivera, even though I disagree with a lot of what he's done since then, uh-huh. did a very good thing in exposing that organization. Yes. In any event, it made him passionate about helping adults with disabilities uh-huh. At the time, John Lennon was getting a lot of bad press because of some of his statements and about actions. Disabilities? Well, not necessarily about that, but about him supporting all these left-wing causes. Uh-huh. And the Nixon administration was trying to bring him down. Uh-huh. Um, so that that's a whole complicated thing. But Gerardo Rivera approached Lennon and said, hey, you should do a concert to help raise money and awareness for people with intellectual disabilities. Uh-huh. So John Lennon agrees because he wants to stay in the country. <laughs> yeah. And because John Lennon supposedly hated uh, disabled people. Apparently. Yes. From what you said. From, from what I've read in other books. Uh-huh. And, and, and who knows how much of that is true because people will say things on one day. And then they'll change it the next day. Or it, it may be kind of chi- tongue in cheek as well. Yeah. Right. But this is the perception I have. So John Lennon agrees to do the concert at, I think, Madison Square Garden. They put up the tickets for sale and they're selling very slow. Like previously to this, if a Beatle said that they were going to do a big concert like the one for Bangladesh, it would sell out almost immediately. But because Lennon had put out some albums that weren't considered that good at the time and made some controversial statements. He was having problems selling these tickets. So he makes radio ads for them, promising a good time. According to the book, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it was interesting to read. He was so desperate to sell out this concert that he even called Paul McCartney to ask him to perform. Wow. And McCartney said no. Now, the book doesn't go into the reasons why, why McCartney declined. Yeah. Okay. And I've never heard this story before. I've, okay. I I knew kind of the thing about the concert and Gerardo Rivera helped him with something, but I didn't right. know the specific details. Right. And this is the first I heard about McCartney being asked to perform there. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, there's, you know, the concert for ba- Bangladesh where George Harrison supposedly was toying with the idea of a Beatles reunion, yeah. but not everybody was into it. Um. I don't know. I always think it would have been interesting to see what they would have been like together. And then it tells the story of Ringo Starr released some album in 1973. 
And all four of them worked on the album, but they didn't all do a track together. Like the closest was there was some song on that album where John Lennon wrote it Mm -hmm. and played on the track. Mm -hmm. And obviously Ringo sang it. Harrison played guitar on it as well, (gasps) but that was the closest they came. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. But I also think it's kind of cool that they never reunited as well, you know, because who knows what that would have been. You think it was cool that it didn't even reunite for just one, uh, one performance? Even? Well, I mean, who knows? It might have been very disappointing. Huh? Like, there's so many things that make them such an interesting band. Yeah. Do you think that people will still be talking about the Beatles in a hundred years, like we talk about? Them I can't say hmm. because by the by, uh, because in a hundred years I'll probably be gone. Right. But so I really don't know. I mean, maybe it's possible. Yes. I mean, but I just can't, I can't say for certain. What do you think of the information I just told you? It's interesting. It is very interesting. I didn't know. I didn't know that, um, Geraldo Rivera, as much as I, I do disagree with a lot of things that he's done today, um, or said today, not, not today, but lately, um, I, I I was surprised that he approached uh, John Lennon about this. Back in the day, Halado Rivera, at least what I've heard, he used to be pretty liberal, and oh, then he still, kind of oh, went off the rails. Is. He still is. No, he's on Fox News. He's a big Trump supporter. He, actually, he never admitted that. He yeah, never, yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. I can tell you where he admitted it. Actually, well, he said that he was friends. He he said that he knew him for years, but he also said that he he also did not reveal who he voted for either. No, he did. He, re, he no, he didn't. I can tell you where he did. I've I've heard a lot of interviews, and we don't have to, we are not going to go down this rabbit hole. We could go down this rabbit hole around and around and around. But I've heard a lot of interviews where. Um, contributors were asking him who he voted for and he never admitted it. And I heard, I there's a lot of things that he said, um, when it comes to, um, immigration that I don't agree with. I can tell you where he said it because I was listening at the time. Who cares? I certainly don't care. No, but I'm just saying he is, he (laughs) is publicly a Trump supporter and I can tell you where I heard that. That that doesn't make him necessarily conservative either. Cause there's some, there's some liberals that have come out and are still, uh, in um in in some respects democrats i know that he is a trump supporter i believe he was also a supporter of george w bush the trump supporter i think i know because he talked about it on howard stern about how he, about yeah. how he's a trump supporter but his wife's not one and he gets in arguments with his wife all the time about trump because she doesn't like him and he believes that he's that trump was a good president okay well, well, I mean, regardless of that, yeah, I um, there's a I there's a lot of things that he's said when it comes to example for um, immigration that a lot of um, contributors have uh, um, debated him on and things of that sort. But so I'm I don't know. Geraldo Rivera is interesting. Um, but I thought I thought it was interesting that you that um he came up in the book when yeah. he came to uh, John Lennon. He's supposedly a lot more liberal then. Well, I do. I don't care. I do. But it was interesting to read. Horrendo Revolver once had a soul, okay? Horrendo Revolver. Oh, my goodness. What ifs? A revolver. Oh, my goodness. Like the album. Oh. 
Whose album was that? The Beatles did an album oh, called Revolver. Oh, Revolver. That's right. You told me about that. Yeah. That's a great album. Revolver. How can you be a music person? Above's Boobs. I'm sorry. Oh, stop. 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 <laughs> so, uh, some people, babes, and I'm not just saying this. Yeah. N- not me. But, like, musical critics have said that that might be the best album ever made. Besides uh, the White Album? Well... I'm telling you what other people have said. Oh. Uh, my personal favorite Beatles album is a white album, yeah. even though apparently they didn't like it. Oh, wow. Um, and it's considered a great album, but it's white album is very close in my mind. It's, it's, it's close between the white album and rubber soul. Because oh, wow. rubber soul is amazing, but revolver yeah. is probably my third favorite album. Really? And, Paul McCartney has kind of implied that if he had it to do over again, he would have released Rubber Soul and Revolver as well, like a double album. <coughs> what songs are on Revolver? Oh, I think Revolver had, um, uh, what did, what did it have on it? It had, um, of course, now that you say that, I, <laughs> I want to say it had Good Day Sunshine. That's a great one. It had, um, is it Good Morning? No, Good Morning, I think, was Sgt. Pepper's. Okay, okay. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah. Yes. I think Revolver, no. Um, I was going to say Michelle, but I think that was Rubber Soul. Okay. Uh, oh, God. Hold on. I can't remember off the top of my head. Alexa, what songs were on the album Revolver? Alexa, stop. Taxman, Eleanor Rigby, I'm Only Sleeping. Those are great songs. Yeah. You've heard those songs, right? Of course. Yes. I love I'm Only Sleeping. Yeah. You like that song too? I think so, yes. yes. When I wake up early in the morning. But Rubber Soul had In My Life, Wait for No One. You know, honestly, I mean, I know that you. Or said, Cry for No One, Wait. I know that um, you liked In My Life, but that's like. That's not my favorite Beatles song. That is easily my favorite Beatles song. I love that song. <laughs> I think that there are better songs than that. Really? So yeah. what's your favorite song by them? Um, well, there's so many. I like Oh Girl, Girl, Girl. That's that, by the way, that's on Rubber Soul as well. Oh Girl, Girl. And uh, She Loves You. Um, that's one of my favorite ones. She Drugs You, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Keep going, Lise. You're going to say you drug me too? Um, um, <laughs> okay. Um, I like, um, oh, there's so many. Um, I like, uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, of course, the title track. That's an okay song. Um, I wasn't asking for your opinion. Okay. You wanted my opinion. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, there's a Um, I like, uh, what is that called? Um, the one that was like, tell me why you cried. In fact, that was on the, um, the movie we watched last night. I forget. That's a good one. That's a good one too. Um, I also like, uh, if I fell. That's in my top 10. If I fell in love with you, you would you promise to be true? So I told you the story. I don't, I'm, I'm going to repeat this again. Oh. Uh, if I, I don't think I repeated this in the, or said this in the podcast, but, um, I went to a flute festival one year with um, the flute choir I was a part of in college, and there was a, a 
there was a flute ensemble that played a, a flute version of If I Fell, and it was so cool. I bet it was. It, it was beautiful. It really was. Yes. Yes. But in my life, we've established it's the best Beatles song. Um, I, I, no, no, no. No, it's, it's been established. In your, in your opinion, it's the best Beatles song, and I, I, I disagree with you. I think there's a lot more better. I think there's a better um, Beatles songs than that one. But it makes your top three, right? I don't have top threes. Okay. I, I can't, I can't, I can't number them because there's so many that I like. Help is, is up there. Help. Yeah. Help's a great song. Fool on the Hill is my second favorite oh, Beatles Fool song. Fool on the Hill is great. Something is great. Something. Is, it's only a Northern song is great. There's so many, obviously. There's a. And um, I love her is probably top five. Take the last train to Clarksville. That's by the days Clark. Oh, five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> if that's your favorite Beatles song, then maybe I should no, it's... be judging these. No, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the wrong one. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a uh, God only knows what I eat. No, that's the Beach Boys. <laughs> yes. There's uh In My Room is really good. No. Beach Boys. Uh-oh. There's nothing but a G thing. I really like no, that song. No, that's Snoop Dogg. Okay. <laughs> no, I thought it was Material Girl. Uh-oh. Oh, that's Madonna. Uh-oh. Here's no. uh, You Can Do It. You Can Do It With Your Back. And no, no, no. That's no, a great that's, Beatles song. No, that's not it. Uh-oh. That was what some of their later work. Okay, okay. We're, we're, we're getting off side track here. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Liz. No, 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 no. I, I like so many Beatles songs that it's just hard to, to name them on one hand. It's great, but my favorite is still in my life. Okay. Yes. Don't, 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 don't. I like um, Here, There, and Everywhere. That's good. I heard that Lennon actually liked that song a lot, too, even though Paul McCartney wrote it. Yeah, it's a good song. Yes. I think that might be on uh, Revolver. Yes. Do they also sing, uh, do they also sing Along and Winding Road? That was their, I think, their last number one hit off Let It Be. That's a great song, too. Yeah. To your door. That's a great song. Interesting oh, way to end their career. What? I know that song. I know another song I like. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. Oh my goodness. Oh wait, that was his wings. Okay. I think they. I think it was called Band on the Run. I don't really listen to a lot of Wings, to be honest. Uh, but maybe it's because I maybe I got it confused because it was um it was Paul McCartney singing and I wasn't sure which one was. Wings and uh, the Beatles, but oh. anyway, we're on to the Beatles. So, yes. so babes, is, if you want to get us off of this, what would uh, what would you bring up for a subject? Um, uh, shall we get into the movies? Well, the movies will bring us back to the Beatles. <gasps> yeah, but we have to get <laughs> to the movies. Okay, or or we can. Oh, go! Oh, can I tell my idea that I had after watching that thing you do? All right. Spoiler alert: They get. Uh, uh, hey, we're going to talk about it. Later. I, it's not that much of a spoiler alert, babes. Babes, I know what I'm doing. Oh my goodness! Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I did the podcast by myself. Hey, it'd be in Hammond. No, give me a kiss. Oh, yeah. Hammond alone. Oh my goodness! What else? They get a copy of their single pressed up on Playtone Records. And I had the idea, well, wouldn't it be interesting if we took some of our conversations or a conversation and put it on vinyl? And then I thought, well, that would be really expensive. It would take a lot of resources. Who would buy it? Who would buy it? 
To which so, I replied, nobody would buy this. I think it's a dumb idea. <laughs> thank you for being so supportive. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I didn't say it was a dumb idea. I just said it wasn't a good idea. Oh. Uh, I said, well, who would want to listen to um, a couple's um, discussion? I would. Yeah, but nobody else would. That's a problem. So that idea maybe not my best. No. This morning I thought about it and... I had the idea of when instead of doing a full album of just one conversation, what if we did like a best of and we worked in some of our clips from our private conversations and I talked to somebody about writing a grant so we could get it pressed up as maybe a double album and you and, were dead set against that. And Unfortunately, said, legally, I need your consent. Yeah, I said, no, it's still not a good idea. In fact, I think it's an even worse idea than what you said the first time. You don't want a best of record of your stuff? No, I don't. Okay. Well, the only people that would buy it would be us. But you'd still have a best of vinyl. Are you? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think you've just got recording happy. Oh, I think you have in the, in, the, in the last month or so, you've just got completely recording crazy. Oh, it is, babes. You, you've gotten com- recording crazy, and I... I don't know how to get you off the kick, though. I don't know. The jail? Maybe you don't need to. Why? Why what? Well, you've been recording pretty much... Oh, babes, we've talked about this before. Oh. But I still love you. Couldn't I say no? Oh, I love you, babes. Oh. I love my jail. Oh. Yeah, I do. I know I can't get you off of the recording kick. Oh, what else? Stop beating yourself there, babes. And what else? What else do you... Uh, before we get to the movies, we uh-huh. had dinner last night. Oh, it was really good too. We made the kale salad and I want, I really wanted to do rice because I thought that would give us more to eat, but you said, Oh, we don't really need to do that. You forgot the feta cheese. So instead we took some cheese and crackers and crumbled it over. We put, we put some cheddar cheese on there and then, um, I crumbled a, a bag of Ritz crackers with cheese, and it turned out really good. Actually. It did. Gave it a nice crunchy taste. It was delicious. Yes. Crunchy, tr- crunchy and cheesy. Yes, yes, yes. And then the avocado, uh, tomato, and cucumber just added um, to the flavor with a little bit of olive oil. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. Yes. 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 And tonight, we're going to do some sandwiches. That's right, babes. Bagel sandwiches. It's going to be fun there, Jewel. Yes, it will. Yes, yes, yes. With cream cheese, hummus, hummus, and possibly olives. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yes. I am, too. Yes, yes, yes. And pesto. Yes. Yes. I, I, I believe I have some in the fridge, and I do. I, and you saw some in my um cabinet. I did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, babes. Yes. In 1996, uh-huh. it was a Sunday night. Yeah, I was at home watching AMC. Okay, and Phil Collins hosted this special on the movie A Hard Day's Night. Uh-huh. Right, he's talking about the movie, cultural impact. There's also clips of Roger Ebert and uh, Richard Lester, who directed the movie in this documentary. Oh wow! Something really interesting. They aired the documentary. Followed by a hard day's night and help. And he was the um he was a narrator. Phil Collins? Phil Collins was yes. Oh, cool. And the host of it. Wow. I taped the documentary 
and the other two movies on one of those tapes where you can like expand it so you can get like t- six hours of nice. film time. Oh, wow. I never watched it though. Okay. But I saw clips from the movie in the documentary. Okay. And they also show clips from it in, um, uh, the anthology. Oh, wow. You've watched the anthology, right? No, I have not. That's really interesting. I mean, it's obvious it's a bit propaganda because it's the three surviving Beatles consenting to it, but it's oh, so fun. Okay. You know. Okay. And that was my experience with the movie. Uh-huh. Recently, you said you wanted to do a band movie. Yes. And you suggested A Hard Day's Night. Yeah, I said, hey, why don't we do that? I've never seen it before, and you said you saw parts of it, and I'd, I'd like to see what it's about. I will let you give the recap. I don't know if I can. Okay. So. And partially because the story is very thin. And, and I did, we, I did kind of fall asleep through some of it. And you woke me up and then went right back to sleep. <laughs> like, Bob's, get up. Bob's, I'm going to bed. Get up. No, I didn't say that. You didn't say that. It was pretty much. But like I that. wasn't trying to fall asleep either. Oh. I, I really, my eyes are just getting, getting so heavy. Anyway, um, <laughs> it starts on this train where, uh, the four Beatles are sitting next to this older guy and Paul McCartney basically said that that's his grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they picked some random older guy and he says, oh, that's my grandfather. And, um, it was quite interesting and, um, I think they strike up a conversation with this older guy and um after the grandfather goes to get lunch with their manager. Right. Who is not played by Brian Epstein. It's very strange because in the midst of all this they actually get their um instruments out and they play you know, on the train. They play on the train and I'm like, that's so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You you can't get your instruments out and play on a train. You have to actually store them. You you, know, you can't do that. It's it's just very strange. Um, it's hard to, it was, it was strange. There was no, uh, plot line to it at all. I think eventually they're going to perform live. Yeah. And the movie is basically about the journey to that. So they get off the train, they go to a hotel. There's a scene where the old guy is gambling. There's, you know, the Beatles go off and do their own things and struggle to make it back in time for the show. And then they perform a couple of songs and that's the end of the movie. And they also performed at this rehearsal. <laughs> um, it's, it's not a good movie. It's not horrible. It's not like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's, it's not horrible. It's just, we, we came to the agreement that we both wanted more of a plot line to it mm-hmm. that we could actually, we could actually talk about the storyline behind, um, you know, what was in the midst of their journey to get to the con to um, perform live. And, you know, we would have liked to have seen like a back and forth with their manager. And there's a little bit of that, but it yeah. didn't, it didn't. I mean, obviously this is like a bubblegum film yeah, it, because it came out in 1964 when they were, it it was before they started experimenting with psychedelics and all that stuff and going to India. Yeah. So we're not going to see any of that, but it could have been a little bit more darker. But I could see why it wasn't based on their popularity at the time and who they were at that moment. Yeah, yeah. They were just starting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd give it a six. I'd say at least a six and a half just because of the music. I'd give it a six because of the music. Because Oh, because it wasn't original? Well, so the... There's a couple arguments in my head. 
you could say that this film deserves an eight and a half because of the music. And you can make the argument, I don't know if it's true or not, that these songs are timeless. And the songs in the movie, for the most part, because I think She Loves You was out before the movie, mm-hmm. may not, and they perform it in the movie, may not exist had it not been for this film. Mm-hmm. So on that level, you might even be able to make an argument that this movie deserves a nine. But if we're talking about an actual movie, away from the music, six is being very generous. Okay. You know. Yeah. What do you think of that? I Okay, I kind of agree with your argument, but I think I, I'd at least give it a six and a half. Mm. Just because I enjoyed the music, I didn't think so much about your idea of why you didn't like the music. But No, I love the music. Oh, you love the music? Okay. Um, That's the argument why maybe it should be higher. I But I didn't like the way that they put it into the movie. I didn't like it either. It was kind of random. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing behind it. Um, and I thought it was so unrealistic about how they would just, you know, perform on the train, on the train. Yes. Uh, but six and a half, just because, um, there, there should have been a plot line. There should have been a storyline. It would have been a lot more interesting. There is one, but it's very thin. It's very, very thin. Not a lot of depth. Now getting back to the music in this movie. Yes. I had a thought that I told you. Okay. I didn't watch MTV when it first started. Okay. I watched a little bit of it. Okay. Very little. But I've seen documentaries where they would say, you know, we only had like 170 music videos and we had to fill a whole network with that, right? Yeah. Who knows how much of that is true? I Something tells me that there were more music videos back then, even though there weren't a lot. Um did you ever see any music videos from the Beatles on MTV? Not even on VH1, no. Okay. The the so the Beatles actually did make music videos. Yeah. Something had a music video, Hello Goodbye. Wow. I think Penny Lane, but I could be wrong with that. Wow. And I maybe a few others. Another that's another one of my favorite Beatles songs is uh Hello Goodbye. That's a great song. And Penny Lane. Yes. And Strawberry Fields. Okay. Get it. Forever. Yes. Yeah. I like the sequel to Strawberry Fields Forever called Strawberry Fields for This Afternoon. But that's another story. <laughs> okay. okay. Why Edge. But I wondered why watching this movie, there are parts of it where they perform whole songs. Yes, And I do. thought to myself, well, why didn't an MTV just take the footage from A Hard Day's Night of them performing songs and chop those up into music videos? Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I wasn't. I wasn't really thinking about that. But you know, I know you asked that question. And I'm like, yeah. But that's a good observation, right? It is a good observation. I remember in the early days of VH1, I used to watch v- both VH1 and MTV when they all they played were music videos. But I remember that um, in the early '80s when VH1 or the uh, mid to late '80s rather, when VH1 was really popular and all they had was videos nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a broader discussion. On one hand, you can make the argument, well, MTV and VH1 were a lot better then. Yes. Than they are now, which I believe is true. But then on the other hand, you can make the argument of we no longer need them because we have things like YouTube and Vivo. Mm. Is it Vivo or Vimeo? Vimeo. Okay. I personally think that after 2000, 
Um, because I watched MTV a lot when I was a teen, between uh, my teens and my early 20s. Mm-hmm. After 2000, it just went downhill, I think. It just started going downhill after 2000. Um, with the more and more shows they were adding that didn't have anything to do with music, it was like, okay. MTV is probably going to be... The only the only show that I would watch on MTV now is called um, Catfish. Yeah, you've talked about that. Yes, I have. I- but otherwise... I don't. I I barely ever watch it now. I still watched MTV, but I was mainly a BET and an MTV Two person by two thousand. Okay. Because they had more music videos. Yeah. And BET would show some cool ones. Yeah, BET. I liked. I liked that show that they had. Uh, one hundred six in Park. That was okay. That was. I mean, I watched it once in a while. I liked um, Rap City a lot. That there, was my jam. There was some games on MTV that I did like. Uh, by 2000, like, uh, there was a, a game that they had called, uh, Singled Out, and, uh, and they also had the Blame Game. Singled Out was pretty popular. Singled Out was fun. Um, that's when we were introduced to Jenny McCarthy. Nice. And, uh, the Blame Game had to do with, um, exes going to battle. I'm not as into reality TV as you. I'm talking about are. game shows. Not, this is not reality TV. Okay, babe. Don't get so defensive. No, but, but no, I didn't know. No, give me a kiss. I'm not defensive. I'm just like, I'm just. Give me a kiss, honey. Bubs. Give me a kiss, honey. Ugh. I love you, babes. <laughs> no, I wasn't being defensive. I was just um, making a correction. I think the only time I've seen music videos from the Beatles. Mm-hmm. On TV, regular television, was after George Harrison died. Mm-hmm. I think they played the video for a video of him playing "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" yeah. and something. Wow! On MTV too. Wow. Yes. So here's a question for you. Oh. And I know you don't know the answer, but okay. maybe you could speculate. Okay. MTV launches in August of 1980. I thought with, it was 81, is it? Was it 81? I think it might have been 81, but Hold I don't on. remember. Alexa, when did MTV start? No, it's not. That's not right. That is not right. That that was earlier than 84. I think it was at least 80 or 81. Oh, if you're 81, then this doesn't apply. So my question was, <laughs> what was their reaction to the death of John Lennon? I do not know because oh. I was still a baby. You were still a baby. I was still a baby. You were not a baby yet. Yes, I was not a baby. You were not a baby. Yes. I'm not a baby. So I don't know. I couldn't ask you. I couldn't. You can ask me that, but I'm not going to give you a real answer. (laughs) I couldn't explain that is what I'm trying to say. I can't answer it. That's too bad, babes. There's a book I have that I haven't read called I Want My MTV. Uh And it's basically one of these oral history things where they take quotes from people and tell you about the history of something. That was quoted in um, that song, uh, Money for Nothing by uh, Dire Straits. The book wasn't. No, the, the, I want my MTV. That was like a, their tagline for their advertisements. Yes. In the early years. I want my MTV. Yes. Yes. I mean, it was always corporate, but it tried to wear the mask of, of cool MTV did, right? I guess. I don't know. I just watched it. (laughs) But you weren't thinking, well, this is, I'm watching a corporation trying to disseminate the ideas of cool. No, Bubs. I wasn't that, you know, corporate conscious or whatever you would call it. Mm. No, I was just like, I like the music. I like the, some of the shows. I didn't care about that stuff. 
Sometimes I think, babes, that it annoys you when I talk too deeply about things. Sometimes, yes, it does annoy me when you kind of analyze stuff and I'm like, can't you just watch something and not <laughs> even worry about it? I mean, just think about it and escape. Uh, I can. Honestly. Yes, yes. Why are you be quaking? Oh, it is. Well, you don't do that for the Twilight Zone, which is very, I'm very thankful about that. Twilight Zone is cool. It is. I do that a little bit with Star Trek. I do that with other things. I do that with music. I do that with movies a lot. Oh, that I do that with nuts. books a lot. It drives me crazy. Yes. Mu- movies especially. Oh. But oh. it's made you a better film watcher. You would agree to that. I have to say I have learned quite a bit from your um, film knowledge, but I wouldn't go that far as as far as to um, analyze it as deeply as you have. But having said that, there are movies where we did agree on, like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem real. And there were some things that I did agree with you on, but then there are other things that I'm just like, why can't you just watch it and chill out? <laughs> so I, I want to know something. Uh-huh. If you had watched this film before we started dating, yeah, do you think that you would have liked it more because you would have um, had less experience analyzing it, movies? I don't know if I would or not. Mm. I I can't say now that I think about it. I think it would have been interesting to have watched it before meeting you, but I don't know what I would have been thinking. That's fair. Maybe we should an- analyze this film a little bit. Uh-oh. Okay. What do you think we can learn from this movie about living in a bubble? <laughs> you got to get out. You can't live in a bubble forever. Mm. Yeah. Well, so there's the movie version of the Beatles where they're all happy. Everybody's and, getting along. Yeah, women are jumping over their cars. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Are on top of them. On top of them. And... We know that that may not have necessarily been the case. Or Uh if it was the case, it kind of faded fast. Yeah. So, I mean, in in a sense, this movie is an interesting statement on not only living in a bubble, but also what What is real and what isn't real. Yeah, exactly. What is real and what isn't real. I see, I see. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost like, um, if you think about, like, 50s TV shows, right? Like, Leave it to Beaver. You know for a fact if um you know for a fact that that isn't real life. Yeah. It just seems like it you know on the show at the time that's their real life. You know, June Cleaver's always dressed up and she's always wearing high heels and she's always pleasant and she's taking care of the, you know, Wally and the Beave. Um but um that's not you know, that's not people's real reality outside of shows like that. No. That's not how a family usually um, usually operates. It's a very um, Stepford wife-ish type of thing going on there. And it gets even more crazy with this because the Beatles were the real band. Huh? And the real band's in the movie. But in a sense, the real people... Are they're in the movie, but they're not because it's not really how Paul McCartney and the rest of them were. Like, I doubt that Paul McCartney really went on tour with his grandfather. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a sort of like weird commentary on reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched a um, a TV show about the Partridge family. Go ahead. About what really happened behind the scenes, and there were some things happening, like um, um. 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Danny. What was his last name? Oh, Danny Bonaducci. Yes, Danny Bonaducci had uh, come from a broken home, and there were times where he could not go home, and he wa- you know he had to go home with other people, and as much as his mother tried to help, and I think he was from a broken home, and then of course there was Keith, uh, not Keith, um, uh, David Cassidy, who they wanted to change his image because he was, you know, he was Keith Partridge. And the Partridge family was uh, a family-oriented show, but they wanted to up the, um, you know, push the envelope, and he didn't want that. Um, I think it's if I'm if I remember correctly, he didn't want that. I can't remember. Um, but it was like it was behind the scenes that show like what really did happen. Uh, Susan Day was going through anorexia, uh, and it got so bad that um, she ate too many carrots in her. And this is a true story. She ate too many carrots and her skin turned orange. Wow. She kept eating carrots because it's all she ate. Interesting. Well, one of the things that she ate because she, she thought she was really fat. Um, so Susan Day um, played Lori Partridge. And it was a, it was basically a very dysfunctional uh, set. Yeah. It, the, the Hard Day's Night is a little bit different because from what I understand in the Partridge family, they played characters. They didn't play versions of themselves. No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. So it's it's kind of like akin to a uh, old uh, sitcom ish type of thing. Yeah, I kind of see that. Maybe yeah. more like Ozzy and Harriet. Oh yeah, uh huh. Because they played themselves and their kids played themselves. Yes, they did. Yeah, that's what, from what I understand. That's way too cool. Or uh, I love know, Lucy. I love Lucy. When in fact, um, you know, it, uh, contrary to their show, uh, when Ricky, when uh, Desi and Lucy got divorced, they hated each other's guts. So, yep, <laughs> that was kind of interesting. I'm sure there was still some affection there because they experienced this wild ride of fame. There was one episode where I watched when, towards the end of the show, uh, Lucy announced that she was pregnant, and mm-hmm. it was actually live. Yep. And she said, "I'm pregnant." And she, he's like, "Really?" Yes, I am. I'm pregnant. This is, of course, when when Lucy was younger and her voice wasn't so deep. Yes. Smoking a lot of cigarettes. Now, you know that without uh, I Love Lucy, there would be no Star Trek, right? How's that? So this is really interesting. Um, I Love Lucy is a super popular show. And Desi Arnaz thought that they should fund other TV shows. Mm-hmm. So, so something that he did, which was very creative, you know how they always talk about how there's shows from the fifties, but we can't watch them anymore because they're lost to history because, yes. of, right? Yes. So what Desi Arnaz did was he filmed them instead of using its kinescope, which the, the film there is very flammable. Uh-huh. He used regular movie uh, cameras to film really? the show. So that's why we still have high-grade copies of I Love Lucy. Wow. He that's paid, smart. So he paid for them himself. Uh-huh. And exchange, he had the rerun rights for uh-huh. I Love Lucy. Uh-huh. Well, the show was very popular, so yes. he could play it all over the world. Yes. And in the late 50s, af- I think after the show had ended, uh-huh. CBS wanted those rights back. So uh-huh. Des Yarnes said, okay, you can have them back for like a million dollars. Yeah. They took that money, and they started their own production company. Uh-huh. They produced uh, Mission Impossible was their big show, uh-huh. but that came a little bit later. And they produced a lot of TV pilots and the later Lucy shows, I believe, yeah, in the 60s. Yeah, Lucy and yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. 
And then they were looking for a sci-fi show to produce. So they meet with Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, uh-huh. and they agree to finance Star Trek. The first pilot gets rejected. They film a second pilot. It goes to series. But Desi Lu, their studio, was spending, I think, $15,000 more an episode than NBC was giving them for the broadcast rights. So they were losing money each week. Oh, wow. And eventually, I think near the end of the second season, they because of Star Trek costing so much money, they had to sell their studio to Paramount. Desi Lu was her company? Yep, that was her company. Wow. Sounds yep. like a little girl. I know. But Desi Lu, but if it wasn't for Lucy, we wouldn't have Star Trek. Wow, that is um, how did you find out about this? I've read it several places, but most recently it was in that book, The Fifty Year uh, Mission. That is really interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's weird how different people in entertainment wow. will connect in odd ways. So so Desi Arnaz was the brains behind I Love Lucy then. Yes. He was supposed to be a very smart man. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's amazing. Yes. It really is. Yes. But she was a smart lady too. Oh, I would imagine. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And she would have kept Star Trek. Uh she would have been super rich. Um, so there was a show called Here's Lucy. I saw a few episodes and her um her daughter was in it. How'd you feel about that? Why do you keep asking me questions? I'm just curious, babes. No, I thought it was kinda cool. I'm like, um her daughter's name was Kim in the show. Kim. But that was her um that was her actual daughter. Mm. That played her daughter. Nice. There was one <laughs> there was one Here's Lucy episode that I thought was really funny where um her son in the show, um, his name was Craig in the show. He was auditioning for Wayne Newton's band and, and he kept saying, and, and Lucy kept asking Wayne Newton to do these weird things. I was like, Wayne, do you think he could squat down a little bit? Because we want to see Craig's face. And, uh, in her, in, in the show, her, her last name was Carter. And he's, and he's laughing and he's like, okay, Mrs. Carter. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. I gotta, I, I gotta be honest. I never really got "I Love Lucy." I understand its cultural importance. It's really funny, but it didn't really make me laugh. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Mm. Lucy and Ethel were like the the the, the funny women on the show. Yeah, they there, always got into weird weird predicaments, and Lucy, it was Lucy's uh, fault all the time. Back in the late nineties, babes, uh-huh. when I'm going to school at MLC, uh-huh. there was this cute blonde haired girl. Who was a little bit sassy, and uh, I but I found out that she liked uh, I Love Lucy, and I thought that was really oh that's kind of interesting. Um, but I was dating somebody else at the time. But he's not he or she. I know, I was just saying, babes. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. The blonde is that the one that forgot you? No, that's another girl. Oh no, no, no. I never pursued this girl because I was in a relationship. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And who knows? He might not have uh, wanted any of this. You know, some people just can't recognize a good thing when it comes. Oh, my goodness. What? Why do guys say that all the time? Because it's true with me. No, I meant other guys. I don't know why they say it. They're, they're full of themselves. But Are you a little full of your hair? No, I'm not. Okay. Or you just say that in jest? I say that in jest. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I lo- I thought I Love Lucy was really funny. Mm-hmm. I still think it's funny today. Interesting. I used to watch it when I was a kid, and I used to watch uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show, and I thought that was hilarious. I never got into that, but oh, I've heard really good things. Besides so for the bad thing. Yeah, that the yeah I I think uh, I thought Dick Van Dyke was had a lot of um good comedic comedic timing and 
By the, by the way, babes, yes. do you know no. who pinched Mary Tyler Moore's ass on the set of the Dick Van Dyke show? Dick Van Dyke did? Well, maybe, but <laughs> I, I can't uh, talk about that because I, I don't know if that's true or not. But I'm thinking about somebody else. Uh, so we're going to say no Dick Van Dyke for now. How did you find out this information? Because this person had admitted this. In an that, that, they, that, he, that he goosed her? That he, he pinched her on the ass, yes. That's basically goosing her. Okay. Or actually grabbing, grabbing her in the crotch would be goosing. Um, Goose. Uh, is it one of the co-stars? No. It's somebody who is very famous. Bubs, it could be anybody. Pretty famous. Hmm. What's what's a clue I could you like this person's movies? You like some of this person's movies? I do. Yes, some of their movies you like. Alfred Hitchcock? No. Okay. Um. Jimmy Stewart? No. Okay. I don't think he would do that. Think anymore. a little bit more modern than that. Uh. And when did this happen? This happened on the set of the Dick Van Dyke Show. On the set of the D- Dick Van Dyke Show, which was in the sixties, from sixty to sixty-five, I believe. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor. No. This is a man. <laughs> um, he's, oh. he's acted and he's directed. Oh, he's, um. These days he's more known for being a director. Um, Bobcat Goldthwait. N- interesting guess, but no. Well, he does make some very odd movies. <laughs> uh. Let me give you another hit, right. a hint. This person had, um, some Pretty big films in the 1980s and 90s. Um, older guy, younger guy. He's older now. He's older now. But he was young when he did this. Um. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, Tom Selk, but he doesn't direct. No. Tom Hanks. No. Okay. Uh. Do you want me to tell you? Give me another hint, bud. This person was on a popular TV series in the 1970s. That could be any series. But it's, you got to take the, the facts that I've told you. Michael it's, Landon. No. Okay. Do you want me to tell you? Yes. Rob Reiner. Well, I heard some some things about Rob Reiner. That's <laughs> exactly. Um, he had some kind of, you know, he had a colorful past, so. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but, you, but you probably heard those things on, like, Newsmax or something. No, 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 no. There, there were people coming out. Um, I, I heard something that came out where um, Rob Reiner did some really um, – he did – oh, he did some, like, really suggestive comedy sketches on SNL with um, Al Franken. Oh, who cares about that if they're sketches? No, but it was it I don't know, it was it was odd, but it doesn't surprise me that Rob Reiner would do it. He was fourteen at the time, babes. Oh. Yes. Just so you know Who did he play? Was was it um was it uh um was it Richie? No, he wasn't on the Dick Van Dyke show. He was just on the set. He was on the set because his father, Carl Reiner, worked on the show. Oh. Yeah. Well, he was just uh he was a little pervert, wasn't he? Well, you know, babes, he was 14. Oh, soon, soon to become a meathead. I'm sure, babes, if he was conservative, you'd be like, well, you know, that was before he changed, Bubs. But since he's liberal, it's like, oh, no, he was a no, little poor. No, boy. not necessarily. Okay. I mean, I don't think anybody should do that, even if they're liberal. 
a liberal or conservative. Oh, great. No, of course I'm not for that, bub. Great, great, great. I love you there, Jay Warhead. So, for that, I'm going to... Ah! Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, tickle choice, pickle choice, Back to a hard day's night. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the film? Even though, oh my I think in our recap we've talked about it for like two minutes out of the last thirty. No, there's nothing I want to say because we got sidetracked in the middle of that. Yes. But I think that's a. I mean, if you want to see a fun Beatles movie that you don't have to really think about, then you can see this. But if you actually want something with a storyline, don't watch it. No. Then we watched a film that was loosely inspired by the Beatles. I have, I believe I only watched it once before this. And I, I remember watching it because this came out uh, my sophomore year of high school. On October 4th, 1996, 1996. That Thing You Do, written and directed by Tom Hanks, who has a small part in the movie. I saw it when it came out. I think this Sunday. I probably saw it on October 6th. Yeah. And it was okay, but it wasn't great. I was expecting more. Yeah. And I remember that weekend because I used to stay up mm-hmm. till uh, – so I used to stay up. So the local news ended at 1130, mm-hmm. and I'd watch Siskel and Ebert until midnight, and then I'd go to bed. Yeah. And it, or I guess 1135. You would go to bed that late? Yeah. Wow. Uh, on Friday? No, no, on, this is Sunday. On Sunday? Yeah. Wow. That's a middle school, babes. Oh. Well, it doesn't matter, Bob. Well, it does matter, babes. Oh. But at 11.35, before they would go to Siskel and Ebert, they'd have the local news anchor read off the top five highest grossing films of that weekend. Yeah. And I remember, I think that thing you do made like $6.4 million and came in third place. And at the time, like, Tom Hanks is this huge star. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this film probably made, like, $30 million this weekend. Yeah. And then when it came out, I thought, oh, what a disappointment. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it wasn't that long after it came out on in the theater. It was released on video, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch it in the theater. I watched it on uh, video. Oh. And um, it's been so long since I've seen it, but... It wasn't all that bad. I wouldn't give it a nine or an eight, but I would. No, I'd give it a seven. I would give it a seven. Do you want to uh, give a synopsis, or would you like me uh, to? Why don't you give uh, the not the recap, but just like the premise and all add stuff? Okay, so it's basically about this group who calls themselves the Wonders, even though it's spelled the Oneeders. 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 O n e d e r s. So that's a star with um. Spelling it that way, which is a really weird way to spell it. Yes. And the band is having some trouble at the beginning of the movie. Their head drummer falls out, so they go and get this other guy who they've worked with before. Yep. The lead singer, Mark? No, Jim Guy. Guy. Guy Patterson. I thought Guy was a drummer. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it might have been Jimmy. Okay. Jimmy wrote this song called That Thing You Do. They go to a local talent show, perform mm-hmm. it, and it's this big hit. Yeah. So they get a gig at this pizza shop. Yep. And one day, a fan comes up to them, and Jimmy has a girlfriend played by Liv Tyler. It's Faye. Faye. Mm-hmm. They're all hanging out. A fan comes up and says, you know, when can I buy your guys' album? Yeah. They start thinking, well, we know somebody in the Christian community, so there'd be no swearing, but maybe he can... Uh, help us record uh, a single. 
They I do, think it was like a church uh, from a church, right? One of their uncles, their uncle Bob or Robert yeah, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Record the song, self-release it, gets on the radio, becomes a hit. They run into a manager. He takes them on the road. That's uh, played by Tom Hanks? No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a different guy. I'm sorry. Yes. The manager introduces them to Tom Hanks, who works for Playtone Records. Yeah. Signs them to a deal. They start performing. Their singles rising fast. So Tom Hanks takes them to Hollywood to, uh, like, perform some more on some big shows and to start recording in the studio. Mm -hmm. Do their thing. There's problems in the band. One guy's supposed to go into the military. Another guy wants to get married to the Playtone secretary. Right, right, right. Exactly. And um, go ahead. Yeah. They, uh, the one guy wants to get married to the Playtone secretary. Um, Faye uh, breaks up with Jimmy. That happens a little bit later. But but I I, I yeah that happens later. But it's it's all it all starts to fall. Yeah. Apart. They go and perform on TV and barely make it. The next day, uh, Jimmy's acting weird in the studio. Mm-hmm. He leaves. Tom Hanks basically says the contract is over. He tells us to guy who's a drummer. Uh, a jazz guy enters the studio. Dale Paxton. What? Actually, you missed something. What's up? Guy meets Dale Paxton at this restaurant. I didn't mess up it. You don't let me you? go back to it. I was going to go back to it just now, but I needed the guy's name. Dale Paxton. Yes. Earlier in the movie, uh, Guy met him at this bar, and he was a huge fan. So Dale Paxton and him start jamming, and Guy realizes, you know what? I should stay here and make it as a drummer. Um, you forgot something else. What did I forget? You forgot the advice that Dale Paxton gave him at the bar. Uh, watch your money. What else? Well, tell me. He basically said that, um, you know, bands come and go, and I said, uh, you know, we've only been together for two months because he's thinking, oh, we're going to be great. You know, we're going to be big stars. And Del Paxson says, well, sometimes it's two months too long. And I started laughing. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Because I've been in artistic collaborations. But, but I would I would agree with him on that one. I definitely would. In any event, Homeboy goes to the hotel and Liv Tyler is about to leave. He basically goes up behind her and says, you know, uh, I want to kiss you. I'm staying out here and uh, be my girl. They go off, and then they have the credits saying what everybody else did, and that's the end of the movie. Yes. That's my brief synopsis there, Jay. Well, I can't really add much to it because you already said a lot. Oh. <laughs> well, add, add what you want to. Well, I, I can't add anymore. Oh. Because you didn't let me add anything. All right. Well, pretend that I didn't give a synopsis. What would you add to No, it? there's nothing I can add now. Oh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bubs. Well, let me ask you some questions. Uh, if you're okay with that. Yes. What does Jimmy teach us about self-sabotage? Mm. Well, I think that um, because it seemed like he, he got a big head from all that fame. Mm-hmm. And because he got a big head from all that fame, he forgot, oh yeah, with with, with fame comes a lot of you know, things like, like there was a rumor that him and Faye got engaged Mm -hmm. and he got upset because he didn't, he wanted to, um, protect his reputation. He, he, he basically said, who, who was, who was, uh, who had the big idea of saying, you know, um, whose idea was, um, was it to say that me and Faye were engaged? He was, he was very upset, but apparently, um, Faye was not happy and, she 
basically said, you know, um, I used to think you were different. I used to, to love that smile that you had. And, and now I, it, now it's, it's all, you know, I, I don't, I don't love you anymore pretty much because of how you've, what you've become. I think that, uh, fame really, um, really messed up his, um, outlook on, I don't know. You think it was Faye's fault that he became the way he did? No, not Faye. You just said, I think fame. Oh, fame. Okay. Sorry. No, not Faye. I misheard you. No, 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 no. Okay. I've known so many artists who self-sabotage. The first time I saw this movie, I didn't really buy the Jimmy character. Yeah. But now having kind of lived a little bit more, it makes complete sense to me. Yeah, because it it just, I mean, in the two months that they were together, you know, people are, um, you know, people are uh, trying to jump over hoops just to get to them and everything. And it just went to his head and he was interested in, you know, that one lady, Diane Dane, who was another uh, star, um, well, maybe not interested in her, but more interested in finding out more about her stuff, I guess. I thought that was the other guy who went up to her. Oh, that would have been Lenny. Yeah. The guy who got married to the secretary. Lenny, yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe that was him. He was good comic relief in the movie. That was, well, he was a funny guy. Yeah. Um, but no, Jimmy, I think Jimmy is a perfect example of how artists can self-sabotage themselves by, um giving themselves over to fame and forgetting that fame is fleeting mm-hmm. and that they're only a star for a time. And then before they know it, if they, it, if something happens, they're no longer a star and people forget them or they just think of them as a, a one hit wonder. Yes. Yes. What does Guy teach us about keeping your head down and doing the work? Well, like Dale Paxton said, he's a smart one, mm-hmm. you know, because he was talking about, you know, um, all the people in the band, like, you know. Dale didn't say that. That was Tom Hanks. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Tom Hanks is uh, Mr. White. Yeah. And he, he complimented Guy on saying, you know, you were the smart one. You are the smart one. You, you've got a good head on your shoulders. And when all everybody was leaving the band, he's like, I can't believe this is happening. But it seemed like... um guy um seemed to have his wits about him and decide okay well i could be upset that the band is over but i could make use of the breakup Uh and do my own thing by myself and be the best star that i can be alone and he was and he was yes but what (laughs) that is um that that was and he um he was a. He ended up being a big star with. Um, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, they have a music conservatory. Yes, a guy and Faye. Yes, get married. So let me ask you about Lenny. <laughs> we know from the end credits that he got divorced from the secretary at some point. Yeah. What do you think that relationship was like for them once the allure wore off? Oh, I'm sure that she probably thought she was really dumb and annoying. She didn't seem very smart to me. No. But do you also think that she was a star fucker and she was only w- with him because she thought he was going to be the next big thing? He probably, she probably wanted, he, I would say she's a gold digger, yeah. Mm. She wanted all the money, but that was only like two, one, two months worth of it. They weren't even together for that long because no, they weren't. remember they come to Hollywood, I think maybe a week before they break up. That is true. No, they were, they were together for about two months. They were, but they weren't, no, the, the couple wasn't. 
Lenny oh, and that, the secretary. Yeah, that's right. Because they go to the Playtone offices, and that's where they. That's meet. right. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Well, I I think he married her thinking it's going to be great, and come to find out the woman next to him is like has these really annoying habits and realizes, oh, we we got into this way too quickly. Yes. Can I, I can I uh, try to tell the joke I told you last night about this movie? What? Before I met you, I dated some un- ugly girls. So sometimes people would say to me, I like that thing you do. And I wasn't sure if they were talking about the girl I was dating at the time or this movie. Oh, that was a terrible joke. <laughs> like, I really like that thing you do. And I'd say thanks. And they, they'd be like, oh, I meant the movie. <laughs> oh, wow. By the way, I did date some attractive girls. So Yeah. So it was, it was, I would was, imagine they weren't things. like... I, would, I, I imagine they weren't like a butt ugly. What? No, I'm just laughing at my own say? joke over here. <laughs> you like to laugh at your own jokes? That thing you will do. <laughs> well, you, your, your jokes are kind of funny, but I think it's yeah. funnier that you laugh at your own jokes. Thank you, Jay Wool. Yeah. Are there any questions about this movie that you have for me? Um, Did you like Faye's character? She was okay. Um, It was... I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. I I get that this is a mainstream film from the 90s directed by, at that point, probably the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. Right? So they're not going to take too many risks. Yeah. Or go too far off the narrative. Yeah. I don't think that Faye and Guy should have gotten together at the end. You don't think so? Why? I think they should have gone their separate ways because they didn't really build to a romance between the two of them before then. They were just yeah, kind of hanging out. I would agree. I thought it was kind of strange. I mean, this is the, the second time I watched it. I kind of thought maybe she might end up going with somebody else, but I didn't think it was Guy. Um, For some reason, I just... um, I did think that she made a very good decision in uh, dumping Jenny, Jimmy, though. Absolutely. Because he, he wasn't good for her. And then Guy... We should also mention that Guy had a girlfriend named Tina, and it was implied. Well, actually, it was it was it was found out that she was having an affair with her dentist. Yes, she was in love with her dentist. Mm-hmm. She said that this molar procedure is gonna was gonna be for the whole entire day. Yes, <laughs> you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means she's gonna be doing a little bit of all work on the dentist there. She will. Oh, jeez. You had to go to the Okay, you did. Everybody knew what I was talking about. Okay, what else? Um, are there any other questions about this movie that you have? Um, I thought it was interesting when you said that, that, you know, it would have been interesting if Guy and Faye did not end up going together. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. I would have liked it if she goes back home and he just goes to play music. Mm. But that's me. But they ended up together in the movie and... And open a conservatory. Yes, did you? Well, would you recommend this people this movie to people? This people the movie? Yes. <laughs> it's like when he says, "You're my biggest fan." Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You're my biggest fan. Yes. yes. Um. Yeah, he says that to Del Paxton. Yep. <laughs> um. I would. I mean, it's. It's not the best band movie, but it's a fun movie. It's not that bad, actually. Well, give me your elevator pitch. If you want, if you want to talk to somebody at a party and 
and you uh, you want to talk about some um, some fun band movies that don't require any thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, in in some ways, maybe this movie does make you think a little bit. Or you want you want a fun Tom Hanks movie to watch that um, that you that that you could um, enjoy for a little bit, even if it's not the greatest movie. Then watch this. Okay. Yeah, it's it's you know it's somewhat of a realistic depiction of what bands do go through, even in a short amount of time. Yes. If you want to see that. What does this film make you think of Tom Hanks as a director and writer? Hmm. I don't know. I thought it. I thought it was. Um. I thought it was a. I thought it was a good. Um. A good start. Mm. Yeah. I don't know that guy and Faye should have gotten married, but I thought it was a good start. Good. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie? Uh, I really like the music in this movie. It's good. Yeah, it's some good music in it. Yeah. Um. I would, I've, I think it was, um, was it, um, Guy's parents who wanted to watch the, the movie and they had some kind of a, they had a store? They, yeah, they had a store that Guy was working at. And when he performs on TV, they're watching it and the dad's kind of doing this fake drumming and right. singing. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were, they were funny too. Yeah. A little bit. And then he kept, he, he would refer to his wife as mama. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, so you're gonna, you're gonna finally pay me? <laughs> Oh, he's selling that to this other lady. Darlene. Darlene. I'm sorry, not, not the wife. And he's like, no. No. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, um, no, it's an, it's an enjoyable movie. It's not, it's not bad at all. It's good. Yes. Is there anything else you have to say about this movie? Uh, I just said it was, it was good to watch it again and it really did remind me of high school because I wasn't banned. Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of all the, we had this conversation about, the commitment, um, what a commitment it is to be in any kind of band. And I was telling you my high school, um, experiences being with, um, band all through high school, being with a band all through high school and how I had, um, mar- I had a marching band in the fall. I had pep band in the fall. I had, I was playing at football games and basketball games and away games. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm on a Friday afternoon. I'm like, I really don't want to go, but I have to go because it's a commitment. I signed up for band, so I have to commit. Mm-hmm. And how hard it is sometimes when it's just like, I really don't want to go. I'm so tired. But you did it anyway. But I did it anyway. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna back out. And then when I got to college and I was a part of a wind ensemble, my professor uh, said, "You know, I really." like that you're not making excuses to be here and that you're not here, you know, not making excuses because some of the students are like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick or I'm hurt or whatever. And I said, well, I take it seriously. And unless I'm sick, I'm going to be here at all the practices nice. because I really want to learn. And I'm taking this seriously. And this is what I want to do. This is what I want to learn. That's good, babes. And uh, it really teaches you a lot of discipline. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It's really odd, though, working with people. I mean, I wasn't in a school band, but I've been in bands and creative situations. It's odd when you're working with people who don't have that same discipline and don't like to show up to rehearsals. And Yeah, yeah. And it really it really puts everybody else that takes time out of their day. It really um, 
it really makes every it really brings everybody down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It really brings everybody down, and and the ones that won't do the work, it's like, why are you not doing the work? We're or or to- why are you still here? Why are you gonna- still here? That's yeah. what I always thought. Well, why do we need this person if they're not going to do the work? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it really does teach you a lot of discipline, even with, um, being on sports teams. If you're a part of, if you're a part of sports in high school. Yeah. That's the one thing where I wish I would have been on a sports team is just to be more disciplined and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. That's, that's, that's in, that's, um, I'm surprised that there wasn't a, a music program, um, in your school. There was, but it was very weak. Yeah, it's a, that's a shame. But we'd have people playing guitars in the hallways and that's, that type that's, of stuff. That's not, that's, yeah, but that's people playing guitars yeah, in the hallways. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, it's not like you're working towards a goal for the year. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're working towards, um, concerts or marching, um, marching band activities or, um, or pep, you know, you know, um, you know, for pep, assemblies you're working towards a football game or working on a halftime show or i mean that's a lot of it's a lot of work yeah that's true yeah it really teaches you discipline and how to work with people yes yes is there anything else you wanted to say babes oh excuse me i don't think so i think we're good then yeah all right babes we're gonna take a break Get some snacks. Yeah. And then I'm going to give a short lesson. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. On the Kama Sutra. No. Oh. On the Gibbs. Oh, my goodness. Would you stop with that annoying accent? Sorry, babes. It's so fake. Well, give me a kiss. No. And then give me some snacks. Oh. No, give me a kiss. No, we all... Babes, come on. Babes, come on. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right, babes. You be good, boy. I always am. All right, babes. Okay. Well, Last chance to say something? I don't have anything to say. All right, But, bye. um, uh, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.